Hello and welcome back to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. In this episode, I will, uh, um, well, we're almost done with 1942. We, I'm going to look actually talk a little bit about two stories here, um, Pied Piper and uh, what's the other one? My Object All Sublime. <clears throat> they're both very short um, and they're both uh, rather forgettable. Um, and so I think they're both Lynn Monroe pseudonym stories too. Those haven't been that great. Uh, and they've also always been really short. So this is, I guess, you know, uh, you know, kind of his, well, Riverside, that was a, that was a good story. That was, uh, the Jonathan Hogue. That was, that was a better one. So I don't want to kind of say a ranking here, but, but Lynn Monroe definitely is like the dumpster, uh, stories in this early Heinlein stuff it'll be nice when we get past the war and we can start just seeing Pineline's name and everything we don't have to worry too much about these pseudonyms and what and maybe what they mean and where to place things i'm actually looking very forward to the post-war period because we're gonna have two stories from 1946 to look at those are both stories that were only published uh, much later although they were written in 1946 and then we have starting with 1947 like a novel a year. Um, so we've got a novel, a few short stories, a novel, a few short stories. And the number of short stories are going to decrease uh, until there's almost none. And then we'll get straight up into the, the novels of Robert A. Heinlein, something I've been really, really looking forward to. Um, so uh, so we got a little bit of, of junk to swim through. We got Waldo yet. Waldo's a good story. But uh, besides that, we got a little bit of weird stuff to, to shift through before we get to Rocket Ship Galileo in, in probably a, a, a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I think that's right. We got a Waldo will be the next episode. Then we'll, I might do that as a two for one as well. The the nineteen forty six stories because they were both stuff. One was published in sixty six. One was published not until nineteen eighty. They were in those bigger collections. And I don't know if there's going to be much to talk about in those stories. We'll we'll see. If there is, I'll do them separately. But yeah, then we'll get to to Rocket Ship Galileo, which I recently just read for uh, another podcast and and. You know, sort of liked. I kind of dug it. I, I think there's interesting things to talk about in that story, but we'll we'll be jumping in with the juveniles, which should be a lot of fun. So, anyways, with these stories, I actually lost my copy of uh, my object, all sublime. Um, so, well, let's do Pied Piper first. So, uh, both of these are Lynn Lin, Lyle. Sorry, Lynn Lyle. I, was, I may have said Lynn before, but Lyle Monroe. Uh, Pied Piper is uh, a war story. Um, and I, I think it's worth noting that this is the time that, that Heinlein went to, was it Pennsylvania, to work in like a, a some kind of weird naval research base where he got a civilian commission. He brought in Asimov and um, the camp, I think, to help him. And they, they were supposed to like develop future tech for the war effort. Nothing really came of it. It's kind of, kind of silly. Um, but... You know, this is a story about a kind of a future war tech solution to a conflict. So basically we have an old scientist who figures out a way of, of kidnapping um, using kind of some kind of trans-dimensional, ultimate dimension kind of beam or something, uh, trying to kidnap all the children of another country. Um, and 
And that's basically it. I think his own like army opposes the strategy of ending the war, and and he just kind of shoots him off too. So that that's all it is. It, it's just a, a a story about how I guess in a way, if you want to get interesting about it, it's sort of like total war, like about the shift from war affecting everyone, families. I don't know if that was in Heinlein's mind, but that's one way of reading it. Is that this is a warning against the you know total war, war that will affect all people, you know where civilians will be the vi- the major victims of war, which of course would come true in the 20th century, or or in World War II in particular, which you know when this was written had not yet um, broken out in for America, but it had broken out for Europe for a few years by that point. So I, I guess that's all there really is to say about uh, Pied Piper. Pretty, uh, um, it's an effort. It's a story. I don't, I don't know if it's ever been reprinted in any of Heinlein's work. Maybe after he died, they put it together. Uh, yeah, I think it's an off-the-main sequence, uh, which is which is also where Magic also Prime can be found. Um, this is basically, I think, a collection of his garbage uh, junk stories is from the looks of it. Um, I can I can pull up the Wikipedia for that collection. What do we get here? Oh, there's some good stuff here. Uh, Let there be light. That was actually a good Lyle Monroe story. Uh, and he built a crooked house. Yeah, beyond doubt. That one stunk. They, not good. Solution Unsatisfactory was good. Uh, that was the Anson McDonald. Universe is in here. So this, this is a, a hodgepodge of stuff, just capitalizing off of Heinlein's name. All you zombies, is it? The the collection history of, of Heinlein stories is really kind of confusing. I, I think partially because they... They put together these kind of thematic collections, and not everything got in it. So they they tried to fill it out. It, you know, there, there's nothing like with the Philip K. Dick, where you just had like the collected stories of Philip Dick in five volumes or something. Um, everything kind of, and, and there was kind of somewhat there was some re- logic put to it. It was kind of chronological essentially, although there were some exceptions to that in the editing of it and over time with reissues of it they switched some stories around but there was a basic logic to that uh i think you'd have to go to like the virginia edition and get anything like that and um for for heinlein it's just it's just a pity it would, maybe when he's public domain someone's gonna do a chronological short stories of, of heinlein Ooh, nothing ever happens on the moon a boy's life in boy's life that's the boy scouts uh, magazine i know we published a few things with them Anyways, to my object, all sublime. Um, I lost my copy, so I, I forget the character's name. Uh, one is... Uh, no, 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 remember. At the time, I thought it was kind of a striking name. but um, Anyways, we'll just forget it. There's basically... Uh, um, well, the, the title comes from Gilbert and Sullivan. Like everyone who talks about this story mentions this. It's my object also blind. I shall achieve in time to let the punishment fit the crime. The punishment fit the crime and make every prisoner pent unwilling represent a source of innocent merriment of innocent merriment. So we got kind of a playful stanza talking about the punishment fitting the crime. So now who's being punished? Well, our, our the centerpiece of the story is a scientist another kind of Heinlein scientist who's developed a device to essentially hide an invisibility cloak 
That's basically what it is. It's an invisibility cloak. The way it's justified science fictionally, the, the, the hand waving techno babble, is that it doesn't actually make you invisible with lights or refraction. It makes you invisible by like by playing with psychology. Like the way you can hypnotize someone to not see certain things. It somehow hypnotizes people or plays with their 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 brain. It, it's kind of wild. But a scientist developed that and now he's in, got he's invisible. Although our character, our, our, our main point of view character can see him um, at one point or, or deduces that he's there. But he's got, uh, instead of like doing this to like go into women's showers or, or take over the world or do something wild like that, he just wants to get revenge on bad driving. And the way he does this is not by like, you know, taking them out or destroying their cars. He does that by squirting like skunk spray juice on these people as they're driving by so whenever they drive poorly they get the squirt of the skunk juice and will will um presumably learn a lesson <laughs> from that um and our our main point of view character who bumps into this guy is a uh, a journalist and he ends up like learning about it and hearing about this and becomes very interested in this character and therefore starts publishing his accounts in the media. Right. Um, and eventually our. He gets arrested. The, the guy squirted in the I think they work together for a while, kind of as, as this weird stinky vigilantes. And they get uh, eventually the guy gets arrested. And since he's got an invisibility cloak, getting him out is. Well, there's a couple ways to get him out. One is like paying his bail. The newspaper could, because he's an asset to them, as a you know, as a, someone who's going to sell newspapers through the story he's cultivating. But also just the you know, just the plan is just sneak him out, uh, use you know, getting in the invisibility cloak and then sneaking him out. And then uh, that's essentially what happens. And then he's he's freed at the end to continue his his ways, stinking up the bad drivers. Um. So that's that. It's um, not a particularly uh, interesting story. If you can get your hands on it, uh, I found a copy by, and that's why I can't just like load it up because I haven't been able to find just a, a reprint of it. I guess you could go to off the main se sequence to find it, but uh, I had the original publication from Future magazine in 1942. Um, and yeah, it's. This is an idea that could have been played with a little bit better with the uh, invisibility cloak and what can be done with it. It's just so banal what the guy does with it, getting being like a stinky vigilante or a skunk spraying water gun shooting vigilante. It's 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 a little bit lame when you compare it to other things he was writing at this time, which were so good, like Waldo or Beyond the Horizon. This is a throwaway story. Even Heinlein called it a stinkeroo, which of course is a play on the theme of the story itself. Um, so that's all I'm going to say today. So we got two stories that are pretty much forgettable. I think they're, I could really like, like squint and force myself to say something interesting about these stories, but I don't really want to, I'm not in the mood to, uh, to force anything out of this. It's the one, maybe total war is a theme we could look at. The other could be, I mean, for this story. 
for Pied Piper, maybe Total War for my object also blind, I guess, vigilantism. We got kind of a technological superhero, but it's, it's maybe it's a superhero story. I don't know. Maybe it's like Stinky Batman, uh, where instead of beating up the criminals and getting them thrown in jail, we just make them smelly. Um, there's a little bit about the media, perhaps, and sensationalism. Um, maybe, I guess, the other thing we can kind of squint to see here is we have the drivers not literally not seeing the pedestrian right of course it's not because they they can't i mean it's he well they can't because of the device but presumably they're bad drivers because they don't pay attention to or see pedestrians so the invisibility of the pedestrians is a theme played with um all of that is giving that story probably more credit than it really deserves so um yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I promise I'll have more to say about the next story. Waldo, which is a, uh, another great Highland tale. Um, it's, it's Anson McDonald. Anson McDonald's really hitting out of the park These in, in, in 1941 and 42. Um, a lot of good stories. Lyle Monroe? Monroe? Not so much, unfortunately. So uh, that'll be it for now. Um, thanks for listening. I'll, I'll see you next time when we talk about Waldo. Thank you.